Hello friends and welcome to your single weekly taste of Kings of Anglia this week due to Furlough FC. It's Thursday, we are here, my name is Mark Heath, I'm your host and with me is one half the dynamic duo, the other one is plying his trade for Furlough FC sadly. He's dancing, he's wearing a New York Jets top and he's got a room full of sports memorabilia. His name is Hutch Hogan, Andy Warren, how are you? Hey all, yeah I'm fine thank you. Quick disclaimer, this is supposed to be episode 200, isn't it? But uh, but because Stu's not here, what are we calling this? Episode 199.5. Yeah, it's not it's not 200 until we say it is, all right? Exactly. Don't, exactly. don't count them. Um, but we've got something something special planned, hopefully, for next week. But it seemed a shame to record KOA 200 without one of the stars of the show, Stewie Watson, who, as I say, is plying his trade with those big spenders, Furlow FC, unfortunately. It... it this is like Harry Potter, isn't it? Platform nine and three quarters. It's like suspended in suspended in the ether. Episode one nine nine point five. I've never watched nor read a single thing of Harry Potter, my friend. See, this is where this is where the worlds collide. I've I've not watched the eighties stuff, and you've you've not watched the early two thousands, late nineties. Harry Potter's for kids, isn't it? It's for children. No, well, I've not read it. Actually, I tell you, I tell you a lie. I have read it. I picked it up in a bookshop and read a couple of pages and honestly i thought the writing was dreadful really <laughs> yeah but I, i'll be honest i quite like the films so uh so there that's probably the first time we've talked about harry potter on here isn't it indeed uh jk rowling worth what she like a billion pounds uh, but a terrible writer according to hutchie yeah yeah i, I think yeah. uh yeah yeah i think she's done she's done well for herself is all i'll say yeah. Um, the other thing, I, the only thing I know about Harry Potter is those Muppets who actually try and play that, is it that, called Quidditch? Pretend they're flying around on, on broomsticks and actually play the sport in inverted commas. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I've got issues with Quidditch as well. I think the scoring system in that is absolute nonsense. Yeah. Like you, they spend the whole game trying to get a ball through a hoop, but it's completely irrelevant because you actually can only win the game by catching uh, catching the golden Golden snitch. I can't believe Ross has just done that. By the way, he's gone again. Is he? <laughs> Ross was Ross was a little bit late for this podcast, wasn't he, Mark? He was. It was it's meant to be three of us, but two to four. Roscoe uh, was late, so we thought we'd get going on our own. Um, uh, what what situation? I saw him just pop up there, Hutchie. He just came in and added himself in. Uh, is all he's done there. Um, he, he's turned up late. He's sitting there giggling. I can see him kind of greyed out at the bottom there. He's turned up late, and what he's done is he's kind of immediately added himself in as if he can just kind of no, walk no, in no, the no, place no. and get going. It's... No, he's well and truly in detention. He's he's sitting on the naughty step. He's thinking about what he's done um, while he looks like a a, a feral man of the woods. Should, should we let him in now? Should we let suppose, him in? Get... I suppose. Okay, here he comes. Hello, Ross. Hello. My goodness, Ross. <clears throat> your, your beard... I know it's a bit. Yeah, I woke up this morning. God, Jesus, this is. I swear it's, it's grown more overnight. Um, You're looking more and more like, like Tom Hanks in Castaway every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look great. It doesn't look great. Have you not? So, yeah. I, I know you're you're vehemently against kind of grooming yourself. You're you're, you're above that. But um, surely at some point you've got to think maybe it's time for me to maybe trim it a bit. Uh, there's only a few more weeks and barbers are open so you know I'll just leave it it's fine it's fine 
What's your what's your regime with that that mighty beard? Have you got? Is it the beard oil? Are you, are you using a, a beard comb? I mean, what what kind of uh, maintenance are you doing? Yeah, got got some oil, got some um, you know beard combs. I got loads of like beard kits. I always get it for Christmas for my birthday, so I've got a pile of loads of them. And I didn't use them for a while, but now I've been using them more because I've got a bigger beard than I used to have. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to when barbers can open, so I can look fresh again. Because at the moment, as you say, I'm. Looking like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Yeah. yeah. Wilson. Ross Ross does not groom himself. He pays other people to do that. And quite right too, because he's a yeah. absolute star and the prospect. Um, boys, it is ostensibly an Ipswich Town podcast. We've we spent the first five minutes talking about Harry Potter and Ross's beard. Um, but I suppose unfortunately we better talk about the football. Um, a shame that we couldn't be with you. Apologies, first of all, on Monday. Faux FC meaning that we couldn't bring you a Monday podcast, which is a shame because uh, it was Cook's first win uh, against Plymouth. And now that all seems a bit irrelevant, to be honest, boys, given what happened on Tuesday night. So I'm not proposing to spend a lot of time at all talking about Plymouth, if any. It seems a bit silly. The game itself, uh, Town were gifted a goal uh, and then struggled basically to hold on uh, and get a 1-0 win. And then, of course, what happened on on Tuesday night is what we're going to have to spend most of the time on. (sighs) A long, long trip to Fleetwood, Hutchie. part of your glamorous life and a thoroughly dispiriting disappointing and just plain dismal mm. 2-0 defeat at Fleetwood uh your thoughts we're back to this again aren't we mm. we're, we're back to kind of uh let's talk about the football but it was really poor it was all the things that all the things that have troubled Ipswich so far this season, all rolled into one with the added delight of it being Fleetwood, an empty, an empty Fleetwood. Um, it just it, it it was really really poor, and I think I think Paul Cook will have will have seen firsthand a lot of things. I'm sure he was aware of already with this Ipswich Town squad, which which just highlights, regardless of how this season plays out from here how big a summer of change i think it's going i think it's going to be this was a good a good example of of why that why that will happen regardless of of where they finish regardless of what division then in next season um there's there's going to be a lot of change mm. yeah it wasn't good was it roscoe your your uh, your pal miles had uh, had a bad night along with most of the t- well pretty much all of the town team what what did you make of it watching from from home Oh, it was a it was a painful watch. Not gonna lie, it was. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the worst game I've seen. I've seen some bad games during my my life at uh, watching Town, but that was that was not good. Um, mm. Just I didn't see us scoring at any point. I think when once again we 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 let in an early goal um, for the, I think the third is the first straight away game, um, which is not it's not what you want when you're going away from home, and definitely a long trip to Fleetwood. Um, but I just there was just nothing there, wasn't there? Just no chances, no fight. Just oh, it was just a it was just a bad watch. Just uh, not good. It was, but, it, it, sorry, Carol. That first goal was a really bad goal to to yeah. concede. Like Callum, Callum, Callum Connolly. We we know all about Callum Connolly. The latest incarnation of him is playing at centre half um, of a back three. We we've seen him play right, right back for Ipswich centre. Central midfield for a long time. We've seen him play left back. 
under Cook actually for Wigan at Portman Road, but now he's a centre back. He's not the biggest, is he? He's maybe six foot, and everyone just stood off him, hurled into the box. He wasn't even looking at the goal. Warren Page, our photographer, got this wonderful picture of, of Callum Connolly kind of like smiling with his head tilted back. And that man scored a goal like yeah. that. Um, it, it doesn't, if you showed someone that picture and said, this man has just scored a goal, that that isn't kind of the body shape and body arc that you'd expect from a goal scorer. And from there, like Ross said, there was no real, no real hint of any of any way back into it in terms of a goal until maybe maybe in stoppage time when they, they tested Fleetwood a little bit, but far, far too late by that point. Yeah. I mean, that, that goal was kind of a metaphor for the whole game, wasn't it? In terms of just, <laughs> just as you say, how can you, how can you allow a goal like that at any level, let alone kind of professional football? Um, it, let's talk about your ratings, Hutchie, because I, I want to get into this. Your ratings you send to me after every game. Um and I think I'm right in saying I saw probably the, the the kind of lowest collection of ratings that you've sent me so far this season, or at least I've seen from you. Um, there were threes uh, throughout. Um, Kenlock, Scoose, Parrot, I think, with the with the, the gentleman getting threes. And when I tweeted to to say that there were some threes, the reply was, "Why so generous?" <laughs> <laughs> um, just just talk a little bit about your thoughts on on the players and those, those guys in particular, um, why they, why they got a three. I know Skews was back for kind of after a long time out and starting, which some would say it's a little bit unfair to judge him, but um, just poor performances all over the pitch. Yeah. Oh, it was poor performances all over the pitch. Those, those players in particular, I didn't take great, don't take great pleasure from doing that, especially to somebody like Cole, who I honestly shouldn't really be, as you said, shouldn't really be, be sort of the linchpin midfielder after after a year out. Um, played far more than than I think he played eighty five minutes of this game. Which he's a fit guy, and credit to him for that. And I still genuinely believe there's a there's a player that can be useful for Ipswich there, regardless of this. But he just to me, he just looked he looked slow, lethargic. And it's all to be expected, but it just says a lot about where where Ipswich are. And in terms of in terms of it being a three, when you kind of set the bar at a four, you then have to dip players down from that. So that, that's why he was there. Troy Parrott barely barely got a kick in this game, and I don't think that was all down to him. The mode the mode of attack for Ipswich was to try and I say mode of attack. It, it, <laughs> it, that's maybe generous, but there the only kind of invention there seemed to be was sort of clipped balls to try and get Caden Jackson running onto them, most of which ran through to the goalkeeper. And so if you've got a technical number 10 in there, like Parrott, who worked hard, no, no doubt about that, but he just wasn't, he was just being bypassed. Kenlock, Kenlock's played well recently, but in Wes Burns, who was kind of playing right wing back for, um, for Fleetwood was more wing than wing than back for sure. And he had, he had miles on toast, didn't he? For, for most of that game. And um, yeah, just very, very disappointing because there was very, very little credit for the players to come away from there. Once they went behind, never really felt like they were getting back into the game. Um, Fleetwood weren't, Fleetwood weren't anything special. I didn't think they had, they had the better players on the night. 
but that just makes it even worse from, from an Ipswich perspective because they were second best in literally you could you could chuck any kind of metric at me right now and I would probably come back telling you that Fleetwood were, were the better one in in all of them and that's um that's really not very good really not mm. very good at all at this stage of a league one season to um to be in that position is 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 really poor what did you I, I know Stewie was tweeting one of the, the the good things about being at grounds in this time is you can pretty much hear all the instructions from from the manager to his players and and he tweeted a couple of times that Cook was going mental at KJ telling him to get in behind and he called um Caden and Parrot over earlier in the game and, and told them to work together what was what was the issue there could you see what they what what the plan was with with it's, yeah it's about from his strikers he and it's from every area on the pitch to be honest he wants them higher up the pitch and they just the easy thing to do is to kind of obviously the higher you press the easier you could potentially be exposed if you if you don't get the ball or don't make the interception and and they just slip back and back and it's not just Caden Jackson it's a lot you you I think Josh Harrop got it a lot once he came on Alan Judge um, Andre Dazelle as well he just wants them higher 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 and I guess the issue with the strikers is if they they set the tone don't they if 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 Caden Jackson is slipping back down the pitch, um, particularly when he's got his pace being such a, a heavy kind of weapon in the Ipswich Arsenal. If that standing position is is so deep, the whole team's going to drop deep. And that and that's that seems to be the big issue for Cook. And it I can see him getting more and more frustrated by this because it's not the most difficult of instructions, is it? Just to get to get higher. Um it's mm. not it, it, I, I wouldn't say he's asking too much of them, but I do. I do think it may be, it's maybe a confidence thing because I do. I do think the higher you get, the more likely you are to get exposed, aren't you? And the more compact you are as a team, the more, um, the more strength in in numbers you've got. So that, that's a big issue for Cook, and that's where he spends most of his time losing his losing his voice. It seems at the moment. Rossi, did you see anything at all to take away as a positive from the game? Was there was there anything? Uh, Cole Skew's playing more than 80 minutes yeah. you know um, nothing else really Skoos, <laughs> it, it, it was good. on the Skews note Skews, um appears to have aged about 30-40 years since we last saw him he now has completed the silver fox look um, growing old gracefully uh, which is something that at some point I'm going to have a big decision to make I think um, I'm starting to get flex of Grey in the hair. Obviously, I'm still a very young and virile man, boys, as you know. But um, the grey hairs are are appearing. I'm getting them in my beard now as well. Um, so I've got that big decision to make: Do I deny the aging process and hit the just for men, or do I go the cold skews route uh, hmm. and grow old gracefully? There's some suggestion, I think, that Luke Chambers may have gone the the just for men age denying route. Um, well, his pal, his best pal, Scusey. Has, has, has accepted the aging process is inevitable and gone with the the full on silver fox. Any thoughts, boys, on that? How, have you have you thought about that? I mean, obviously, you're very young still. You're gonna you're Roscoe the, many many I'm years the, away. But. I'm the same age as Cole. He's about four month four or five months older than me. That's unbelievable. Um, I know. Um, I'm very much team team skews on this one. I think he's done the right thing. Um, I think it's befitting of his character the way that. The way that he's just, and I think he, I think he carries it really well. Actually, he's a, he's a good bloke. Um, take no pleasure in sort of marking his performance down the other night because I, 
I like him both as a man and as, as a football player. And I like him even more for making for making that decision. And can I just say as well, he looks really good in this kind of retro Ipswich Town kit. It just suits him. The badge, the kind of the retro throwback feel just, just suits him perfectly. So I'm glad we finally got to see him, got to see him wearing it. Excellent. At the end of your report on Tuesday night, Hutchie, you wrote Paul Cook will have learned a lot about his players this evening. So what what do you think he will have learned? What what if anything did you learn from Tuesday? I think he's I think I think he's come in here with his eyes open. Um let's not be about the bush. He will he will have watched I reckon he's probably watched every one of Ipswich Town's games this season before taking this before taking this job on. But I think having seen that on Tuesday night, having also seen a similar similar game at Gillingham a couple of weeks ago, just to see it with his own eyes, I think I think he'll know that there needs to be real change at the club. Whether that means personnel, which there surely will be, um, or whether that just means he he needs more than kind of coming in with 15 games to go to get this turned around. I think he'll just be acutely aware now that kind of fixing this team to how he wants it on the fly between games is just not, is a big, big ask. Um, I think I think he'll know now, if he didn't know it already, that the summer is going to be huge and there will be, there will be big changes, um, both in terms of numbers, personnel certainly numbers mm. and and that is the time when I think we'll really be able to judge Paul Cook as, as Ipswich Town manager and I think maybe he probably he probably hoped he could have a bigger impact sort of straight away but just the, the constant match schedule and no time to work and do anything I think he may maybe he just maybe he will have just realized how big a job that really is I've talked about this a lot uh, on here and I've written about it um, and I've kind of driven myself mental thinking about it and on Tuesday night it reared its head again because the nature of the defeat uh, clearly as journalists we we try and stay objective um, but I just found it really dispiriting and, and annoying that again we saw an example of the players not being able to get up for games um, not no one standing up and, and, and kind of taking the lead and this pervading kind of culture of mediocrity, which for me, I feel has been at the club for a long time now and, and people are battling against. Clearly, we, we said that getting rid of Lambert wasn't the only the only issue. Um, there, are, there are deeper issues at the club. Um, Roscoe, you spoke to, to fans after the game, as you do on game day. What what, what was their mood like and um, what, what kind of things were they saying without obviously swearing? What, what kind of things were they bringing up? Uh, applause to them for not swearing. The only you know swear words that are chucked out is you know the, you know shit and and crap. It's not you know luckily it's not the other words um, which can't be said on podcasts and stuff. The bad words. The bad words, um, which is on a whiteboard right in front of me. Um, yeah. But yeah, just I think it's more they're just worried about. There's just no urgency. There's no drive. Then the players are not brave enough. There's times where. Once again, we're going back to the tippy-tappy at the back, not being brave. Like, there's one time, I'm going to bring up my good old pal Miles, where he could have been brave and ran into the box and maybe created a chance for an out or even scored himself, but he then decided to do an easy route and pass 
sidewards. Um, but I think that's what just I think fans are just just frustrated. I think they they're, they're not going cook out already. They're not saying that. I think they're going to give him a time. I think they're they're happy with what he's saying. Um, I think Cook has been very honest. I think that's probably the first time manager's done that for a while. Um, but yeah, it's just, oh, it is just deflating now. You know, I think it's weird to think the last two seasons we started so passionately. You know, we had a great run, and then it just it's just the same has happened again. Um, and it looks like we're not going to get in the playoffs again, and oh, it's just depressing. So yeah. <laughs> I think they are going to get in the playoffs. Yeah. I genuinely, I genuinely do. Um, no. I genuinely do. I genuinely think they're going to get in the playoffs from here. I think it's. I think the run-in is that is that kind for them. Um, mm, that I don't I think, agree I, with that. I, I completely do. Honestly, I really think they're going to, and then, and then I think the deficiencies will rear their head at that at that level. When when it comes to playing Sunderland, it's going to be one of Sunderland, Peterborough, Hull would be the opponent. I, I genuinely think they can get into the playoffs from here, regardless of what we're just saying from from um, from Tuesday night. And I'm, I'm not. And I think that's probably more of a knock on the quality of the third the third tier than it is on where Ipswich are at. But I I, I genuinely think they can. Okay, come back come back in, Roscoe. You're saying no. Why why do you reckon no? I don't. I'm not a big fan of this. We've got a good run in. Like we just lost against Fleetwood. We couldn't beat Fleetwood. We lost against Gillingham. I know they're Fleetwood are on a good run, six games unbeaten or whatever. Gillingham were on a good run as well. Like Gillingham are close into the playoffs now. So we've got games in hand, which is good. But then sometimes we need to win them games in hand. If we don't, then we're going to be further away from the playoffs. I think maybe what's good for us is that Charlton. They've got Lee, Lee Bowyer has gone. Um, Portsmouth. They got rid of Kenny Jacket, um, but I just can't see us creating chances and scoring goals. I, I, I hope we get in the playoffs. I do because as a town fan and for us covering the club, we want a team in the playoffs and we can cover those semi-finals. But even if we get into the playoffs, I don't see us winning the semi-finals. So I don't see us creating chances. But Paul Cook has got a big job on his hands, and yeah, I think ne- next week is the first Tuesday we haven't got a game, so he's got that chance that whole week to really prep for the, the running that we have got. But I don't like the saying of we've got a good running because there's some results may not go away and we may not win these games. You just never know. But um, I hope we do. But that's just my opinion. That's fine. And that's that's good you have it. And you're welcome to that. So Roscoe saying no playoffs, Hutchie saying yes to playoffs. But I think you'd both agree there's some kind of issue with Towns makeup as a team. They just seem to fall apart. When it matters, Hutchie, would you agree? They just don't. They, they seem so weak mentally. I think just, I think the squad, the squad, the squad is a bit of a mess. It's too big, and I think that leads to, I think that leads to, I'm going to say that leads to kind of a, a comfort level because there's always somebody else. If that makes sense, isn't it? There's always someone else that can can take it on. You said, I think you've said before about putting the team on the back. Um, there's always somebody else that can do that because there's more midfielders, there's more there's more strikers. And when really, really you'd want that to... You talk, you talk about competition for places. I worry that that's kind of been beaten out of them by rotation in the past and then mix and matching systems, whether that's kind of had an impact on players in the past that actually they... 
the competition for places isn't there like you would want. It's, there are maybe too many players that have been through too many battles in the in in the past, and you you pick up wounds from battles, don't you? That you don't you don't shrug off um, individually, man for man. They're all good football players, but I think Paul Cook has picked a big buzzword of Paul Cooks has been about partnerships. We need partnerships, and those partnerships aren't there. There mm. are there are yes, Toto and Siala and James Wilson are currently the defensive partnership but they're not kind of like the stalwart center back pairing of like Mowbray and Venus or like that have gone through the wars together because they've been broken up time and time again Toto's been out on loan and come back it's they've they're all they're all kind of battle weary the partnerships aren't there on the pitch like Luke Luke Chambers has played a lot of his football now at right back, having gone back to centre back, and then he's the right back again. So he's got no partnership with a with the centre back alongside him. The goalkeeper's been changed time and time again over the last two years. The only partnership I you can really see like clicking when they play together is Dazelle and Downs, and that's because they've played together since they were eight years old. Not not because they've kind of been. And much of that's down to Flynn's injury problems this season. But that's not because they've become like the steel of the team. That's because they've played together since they were eight. There's no partnerships down the flanks. Like you, you think about having wing wingers and wing backs working in tandem up and down. They've never that that's not been there. Um, there's the beginnings of something between James Norwood and Troy Parrott, but it's not there. And, it, and we're talking we're talking about this more than 18 months into Ipswich Town in League One. And for Paul Cook to now be talking about partnerships, you'd, surely, surely Paul Cook should be coming into an Ipswich Town dressing room 18 months in League One and finding a centre-back pairing that's ingrained. That's mm. that's where the problem is for me. Rather, rather than in, in individuals, sort of like that, it's the partnerships. And, and, and it's, just, it's just really worrying that it's got to, it's got to that. <clears throat> what did you make, Hutchie, of post-game? Not a single player came out to talk to the media post-game, which I, th- I thought was really, really poor and kind of speaks to the the issues in the squad. If no one's going to front up and, and, and stand in front of you and, and answer questions, which at the end of the day is part of their job, it's what they're very well paid to do. Um, I just, I, I just I, Honestly, I thought I was really disappointed, mate. What did, what did you make of it? Mm, it's, not the fir- <laughs> it's not the first time it's happened either. It is, it is disappointing. It is disappointing, and I think you're. I think you're right. It does. It does speak to maybe the makeup of the squad and and the character of the squad. Um, that I don't know. It's hard. It's hard because I think COVID has, has played a part in that. It's actually hard for for them to go and be fished out of, if you know what I mean, fished out of the dressing rooms because of the people that are and aren't allowed in there. Um, but. I th- yeah, I, I think you, I, it's hard not to feel that it it's just it just feeds into everything that we're talking about here about who would you even pick to do it after a after a game. After well, that's where you want like that. That's where you want your senior players to step up, isn't it? You want your, your captain mm. to come out and say something. You want someone like Cole Skews to step forward. The 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 you know the bigger names, the bigger voices in the dressing rooms, the ones that are setting the the agenda and the culture. You want standing up and being countered at times like that. You want mm. them to come out and say, like the manager said, that's not good enough. We've let ourselves down, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. 
uh, and everyone has a bad day at the office you know we all do and, and that happens but it's just that sort of game and that kind of performance unfortunately is something we've we've seen quite a lot from town um which yeah. is what makes it so frustrating and worrying that they've just got this this fragility this brittleness as a unit they, they just just collapse rossi why yeah. do we ne- sorry rossi why do we never see a new manager bounce at town Everyone else gets new manager bounces. I, I, I mean, I, I, thinking back on it, I guess when Mick came in, there was a bounce because uh, they were bottom at the time and he, he got them up the table fairly quickly. And obviously he's doing the same at Cardiff now. Don't mention the ghost of Christmas past. Um, but we certainly didn't get one under Hurst. There wasn't really one under Lambert. They were relegated. Uh, and, and Cook has lost, what, two of his first four games, is it, he's lost? There's been no kind of lifting of spirits and and performances we just we we never seem to see a bounce at town under a new manager mick you know suffered two heavy defeats in his first few games um it was a six nil at leicester and five nil something at palace or against palace so that was not mm. a good start for mick really but at that time we were just i don't know how mick did a fantastic job keeping us up because we were dead and buried i thought back then I, I don't know i think it's just it may take a while for managers to really sort out his squads. Like under Mick, we had so many loan players, probably players who just weren't good enough. And I think that's the same here. I think there's a f- maybe too many players that are just not good enough. Um, and yeah, I was disappointed that no player stepped up. Um, or maybe Cole Scoots would have done it if he didn't do pre pre match. Maybe yeah. <laughs> to, to be to be to be fair, that that was part of it as well. But. Like, Certain players weren't asked because they'd literally done it in the last five days. Um, but there was a squad of 16, 16 players were used in that game. So, mm. yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not that side of it's not good. Why don't why why do you reckon this new manager bounce thing, Hutchie? Because just taking a look elsewhere in the division, a, a team with a much weaker squad than Town, Burton. Jimmy Floyd's gone in there and they've got they've they've come out like gangbusters and they've gone on a massive run. They're now clear of the relegation pit that they seem sure to to sink into. Why why do you think we never seem to get a, a bit of a new manager bounce at town? Um well I think Hurst's I think Hurst's kind of new manager bounce came in terms of mood off the pitch during during the summer. And we all know the issues that were caused by that mm. that summer transfer window. So it didn't didn't happen on the pitch. I think there was a new manager bounce under Paul Lambert. Um however, that new ma- that new bounce consisted of of draws against spirited draws against Preston and and Reading when they should have won both of those games. They should have beaten Preston who who finished with a, a, a winger in goal for for the last 15 minutes they should have won at reading but they conceded a silly goal in in stoppage time um and that's probably because paul lambert was like ross said paul lambert just inherited a side that that wasn't good enough um in those big in those moments so his his new manager bounce was was kind of wasted maybe things would have been different if they could have held on to those and and got something going i'm i'm not sure it would have been the case but um i don't know I don't know. It doesn't always happen. New man. I know it feels like it happens everywhere else, but Ipswich. Um, I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. We'll see. We'll see on Saturday with Portsmouth and their new manager. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just to mention that, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about Portsmouth later on. But a, a certain Mr. Danny Cowley looking like he's going to be in the opposing dugout on Saturday, which certainly adds spice. Um, let's take a few thoughts from the Cowley Army boys. Um, 
a lot on a, on a very similar theme, as I'm sure you can imagine. So I'll just read a few out. Chris East London Tractor Boy says, we look like a team of strangers. Cook's got so much work to do in creating the partnerships that he wants, like you say, Hutchie. Full credit to Fleetwood. They gave 100% all over the pitch and deserved to win. Uh, Matt Thomas, friend of the show, Fighting Matt, says, when was the last time we had a single player performance that drove the rest of the team on and demanded better? A keen Vieira, Rooney, De Bruyne-style display. I honestly can't think of one in the last decade. So is that is attitude linked with quality a sign I must have? Rob Hughes says, can you name one player that you'd be sad to see leave in a summer clear out? For the first time in nearly 50 years as a town supporter, I'm struggling to come up with one. Um, and John Collis says, I'd happily see all but Enciola and Wilson's contracts torn up in the summer. They're possibly the only two players to come out of this with some kind of dignity. The rest, including Chambo and Skews, can take a walk. The club needs a shake, shake up and it needs it now more than ever. On that theme, and a lot of, a lot of, I suppose it's 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 kind of understandable after such a miserable loss. Um, but a lot of the, the replies we got, uh, thoughts from from the KO Army were clear out, massive broom needed, summer, get rid of almost everyone. There are obviously fifteen players out of contract. Hutchie, um, where do you stand on that? There, there needs to be something fairly dramatic happen, doesn't it? I said on on Tuesday now, it almost feels like they do need that big clear out, almost like a reset button. Um, get rid of the old the old guard, uh, and I would include Chambers uh, in that because um, those those are players who are part of building the culture as it is. Certainly, Chambers and Scuse are kind of the alpha males, if you like, as we understand in terms of the culture. Where, where would you stand on that? And also, I, I replied to someone and said, "Well, who was saying this, this clear out thing? Get rid of everyone. What happens if they do make the playoffs? Because then you've got a squad that's just made the playoffs in League One. Does that change the argument? Is that too severe then to?" get your big broom out and start throwing people in the bin. What would you say, Hutchie? Well, clearly, clearly there needs to be some kind of clear out because the squad, the squad is, is simply too big. Um, so in terms of numbers, it needs to come down. I would argue that Paul Cook would probably want to bring in somebody in every area of that pitch in the summer, every single position. That doesn't mean that I'm, I'm certainly not in the, the camp where, you're literally letting everybody walk. I I think that's I think that would maybe be a little bit naive, but but I do honestly think that that Paul Cook would feel like this summer he would like to bring in a player in every single position. He'd like to bring in a new goalkeeper, a new right back, a new left back. Whether these are starters or not, I don't know. But he would need somebody in each of those in each of those positions. I I don't think it's healthy to necessarily look to sign sort of 10 players in the summer as starters. Mm. So there are players in there that I would keep, but there's a quest. There's also a question mark over every single one of them as well. Um, so I think there will be, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of change, but I also think some of those players are going to be going to be retained. And is there any argument, like I say, if they do make the playoffs that that kind of tempers the, the amount of change or you think that makes no difference whether they, they make the playoffs or not? I think if they make the playoffs, that I think naturally that would mean that certain players have put their hands up and um, sort of pushed their own cases to stay. I'm not sure whether that... I'm not sure whether that would change many minds of of, the, of other players, uh, for example. Um, there are players that, if they make the playoffs, aren't going to have been involved in doing that. So... So I think I think regardless, regardless, like I said earlier, regardless of whether they go up, whether they make the playoffs, whether they miss out on the playoffs, whatever happens, there's going to be there's going to be significant change this mm. summer, 
But I think there are certain players that have a real opportunity to make sure that they're not part of that between between now and the end of the season. Because I certainly don't. I certainly don't think that kind of sitting here and the only players they're going to keep. Or I think it's, I'm going to get the list up while I waffle on about this because there's there's really not that many players kind of, kind of under contract going into the new season, and I think there will be there will be deals on the table for some of those that are out of out of contract this summer. Let me just find my. Should I just find my little list? While you find no, no, I've got, I've got my list. So, so, the, so these are the only senior players under contract, sort of going, going beyond this summer. It's Downs, Norwood, Lancaster, Kenlock, Holy, Nolan, Cornell, Hawkins, Vincent Young, Dobra, Wolfend, and Dazelle. They're the only, they're the only ones that are actually contracted beyond the end of, the end of this season. I do think there's going to be a handful of of these that are out of contract that will get new deals. Just say that again, just just slowly, so everyone can, can absorb. What do you it. What do you want? Do you want those that are out of contract, or do you want those that are still in? Yeah, contract? yeah the only ones that are in contract. That's probably shorter, isn't it? Downs, Norwood, Lancaster, Kenlock, Holy, Nolan, Cornell, Hawkins, Vincent Young, Dobra, Wolfenden, Dazelle, and then there's a few of the younger players like Ndaba and McGavin who are upper air who who Cook will need to learn about quickly and then some other younger players as well but in terms of senior players that's 1, 2, 3, 4 5, 6, 7, 8 9, 10, 11, 12 12, 12 senior players one of which is Dobra who definitely still has a future at the club but but hasn't had a look in under Cook yet I'd hope he'd get a, a pre-season to kind of show Cook what he can do, but that's really, really, we're talking eleven senior players are under contract beyond the end of this season. I, I think, I think they would probably be maybe three or four, five of those that are out that would be kept on. Mm. We are going to do something uh, wider on on the out of contract players. Um, maybe structure a podcast around it. Probably next week, maybe when we don't have a a midweek game. It seems a good talking point, but change, as Sam Cook said, is certainly going to come. I'm just going to take a few more thoughts from the KY. I mean, I'll come to you, Roscoe, because I know you've got strong opinions on clear outs. Um, Big John Watson, friend of the show, number 12, leader of the Northern Battalion KY Army, says um, from what Cook has seen in game time, who would he keep at the end of the season? He says Norwood, Wilson, Downs, yes. Bishop and Edwards, question marks. Uh, but that's it, surely. Uh, it, and isn't that a sad state of things? Jack McLean, another friend of the show, formerly known as Jack's Larder, Hutchie, which I know you've got strong feelings about. Would it be better to stay down this season, give Cook a chance to build his own team in League One without the pressure of relegation, get some winning momentum for the championship the season after? Dimmy, our old friend Dimmy, attender of KOA Live 1, will we see Hawkins soon? And if so, could he be the best backup option we have for Norwood in their system? The answer is no, obviously. That's Drynan, uh, Dimmy. Calm yourself. Um, thanks for all the work. Hope you're all well. Um, we've had a few questions about the American takeover, which I will, we'll probably talk about at some point. Um, Christian Davis says, we don't create enough, score enough. We're often dominated. We really control games. As a squad, when the going gets tough, we seem to go missing. There's quite a few I'd be more than happy to see go. Um, Craig F asked, what level of clear outs required in the summer? We just talked about that, Craig. Hopefully that's, all, that's okay. Um I'll take a couple more and I'll come to you, Roscoe. Uh, Grimwood says, how can the mental weakness of the squad be strengthened? Why do their heads drop so easily? Or are they not giving 100% each game? Why don't they seem to believe they can win each game? They are capable. It's always a flash in the pan for so many of them. Um, and Harrison Smith, again, something we've talked about, says, is there a cultural problem at the club that means we just can't perform when we need to? So, Rossi, what were your thoughts on, on the summer and, and how big of a, 
a clear outs needed at town. I know before you've said you you want a clear out, but are you going new clear level option? Or are you going kind of slightly less than that? Uh, it's just a weird one. I don't think there's going to be any other club who are in the same situation as we are. I know Lincoln, they ripped their squad apart and they had a new new 11, but the amount of players out of contract, of course, you know, the, the standard town option, there's a few players have got options, haven't they, um, Andy? Um, most of them, most of them have. Yeah. In reality. So, so once again, it depends if the club then decide to give the option to those players. Um you know, it's a mixture in there of first team, proper first team players, players who are over 30. Uh, there's a few youngsters in there like Nydam. Um, who else is in there? Bishop's in there as well. El Mazzuni um, is another Mazzuni. one. Um, of course, Harry Wright, the goalkeeper. Um, Shebek. Is that is that Shebek? Both, yeah. both of those, yeah. And then you've got like Falami, Morris, Cotter good old Barry, um, and, you know, a lot of youngsters like that. So sometimes you don't really count them. You, you have to decide on them. But then you have got, you know, Chambers, Skuse, Judge, James Wilson, Freddie Sears, Caden Jackson's a big one as well. Um, so what, what sort of Hutchie said, I'll keep at least four or five of them because you've still got to have a squad going into League One and, you know, maybe you can use those players as part of maybe exchange for other players. I, mean, I don't know if that gets used that often in, in real life. I know on FIFA you can do that and on Football Manager, but in real life, I don't know if you can exchange a player, like do a swap deal. I don't know, don't know how often that happens. I know it happens sometimes. In, in, reality, in reality, you've got to remember as well that out of this massive squad, there's six players in there that are on loan, all of which will obviously... Yeah obviously vanish i think it's probably fair to say at this point i know we're going to we're, we're going to do something bigger on this at some point but just covering it very briefly i think it, it's pretty clear now that emir hughes is going to be one that's going to be on on his way this summer sadly um freddie c is another one who looks like he's maybe drifting that way drifting out of cooks 18 at the moment um but then you've also got players in there like like caden jackson janoid anasian toto and siala and Guion Edwards, the latter of which doesn't have an option, which is which is an interesting wrinkle in this. They'll have to agree a new contract with him. The other three have an option. But those four players cost Marcus Evans £4 million in transfer fees combined. Clearly, in most of the cases there, um, if not all, their values are not that. You could argue that they never were um, in terms of the fee. But I don't think, I don't think Marcus Evans is just going to let four million pounds worth of of his of his purchases just kind of just go for free. Well, especially three three of those, Jackson, Enciala, even Danassian, they ha- they still have control over their contracts for another year. They can take their contracts and in theory, and this is very much in theory, retain some value in, in those players. You you can question that because yes, they had an opportunity to get some money back and even make a profit potentially on Jackson, which in hindsight, maybe that decision's different now. But but I think that's going to come into the equation here because because to simply let those transfer fees walk out the door for nothing when in theory you still have a year's control over at least three of them, that's pretty galling for, for an owner. I'm not especially in Jackson's case, I'd be very, very surprised if they don't at least take up the option in his contract firstly because i think i think they could get a tune out of him and and and, and get something out of him um and you'd certainly at 1.7 million pounds you'd want as an owner you'd want your manager to try wouldn't you rather than 
just let them walk away. So I think that's gonna I think that's gonna have an impact on this as well. Um, but then there's other players in there like like St- Stephen Ward. I'd imagine he will he will probably move on. And then Aaron Drynan. Don't know if he's got an option. He's one of very few that we don't know whether there's an option on him. So in my in my book, he's maybe one that's in a bracket of really playing for a future now, which um, which can be a good thing if you harness it properly. And then to bulk it out, all of those youngsters, I'd imagine somebody other than Paul Cook would be making the decision on on what to do with those those younger players. But it's certainly going to be a summer of change. But I, I would be very surprised if it's cert- if it's just just let them all go because I just don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, we def- I definitely want to build a show around that because I think that will yeah. make, make an interesting show. And hopefully with, with no game next week, you might get a chance to do it next week, depending on what Furlough FC are up to, of course. Um, Seaside, on the subject of players, and I know he's not a, a town player, but but Seaside of 28 asks, what's happened to Luke Matheson? Why isn't he even on the bench? What was the point in signing him if Chambers is just going to play every game at right back? Any 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 news there? Any thoughts there, Hutchie? I think you need to remember that Paul Lambert signed him. Um, from what from what we understand, there's been a little inj- little injury there, but at the same time as well, I th- I think I think Cook just sees him as a, I think Cook just sees Chambers as a better option there. You're not going to carry just a specialist right back on the bench, I don't think. Um, Stephen Ward is making the bench as a as a left back option. Guion Edwards. Uh, is kind of a, a backup right back in theory. You're shaking your head, Ross, but I'm led to believe he's still seen that way. In, in no. term, but, in, but in terms of a seven-man bench, though, like if if you've got an, a player that can play right back, Gruen Edwards in that squad, you're not going to stick Luke Matheson on the on the bench who can play right back and right back alone. So, I think he, I think he's got a, a I think he's got some work to do if we're going to see him again. Same same with Mark McGuinness. I think we could well have seen. The last of, of Mark McGuinness in an in an Ipswich shirt. He's certainly behind Enciala and Wilson. He's behind Wolfenden, and I think there's probably every chance he's behind Chambers in 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 terms of centre back. So, same with Luke Thomas. I'd be I, I think I'd be surprised if we saw Luke Thomas again from this point onwards. So, some of these things are already beginning to kind of play out in front of our eyes. And just by way of wrapping up this this part of the show before we move on, boys, Nigel G, friend of the show, NHS hero, etc., says, um, very early days, but what score out of 10 would you give Cook for his first weeks in charge? And do you think there are any players he already has doubts about moving forward? Now, obviously, we, we've talked, it's been quite depressing chat um, thus far on the uh, on the show. Inevitable, I guess, after what happened on Tuesday. But clearly none of us are suggesting that uh, it's fair to judge Cook on what's happened so far. Indeed, uh, anything other than he has to be given a lot more time and, and a, a summer transfer window and, and, and many opportunities ahead. But Ross, how, how would you grade his start if you had to out of 10? Oh, your name's Cook out, so I don't know where, <laughs> where, where, you're, where you're thinking. Um... I think we need I to think, explain. I think we need to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before people start chucking accusations at Mark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, his name bar on our chat is what, yeah, you, you can pick your name and that that's it. So I, for, I a, for, a, for a joke. Yeah, for a for, joke, for, yeah. For a joke, Ross. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Banter. Banter, banter. Joke between us, Ross. But anyway, um, yeah. there you go. So, sorry, uh, yeah, sorry. certainly, certainly I'm not in the <laughs> anywhere near a cookout camp. Twas but a joke, but anyway, let's move on. Ross. Um, <laughs> seven, seven out of ten. Hutchie, what are you saying? Um, 
Yeah, I I don't want to I don't want to give him a grade. I really like not I really like Nigel. I love his big fish. It's a bass. Um <laughs> I don't want to give him a grade. I think it's uh, on on the pitch you've had you've had a, two pretty miserable defeats, a decent draw and a win. It's it's fine. It's a 6 or a 7, but I'm yeah. not I don't want to. I don't want to put a number on it. I have to put a number on everything. It's all, all. All I do is just put numbers on things. Do you do that at home? Like with the, everything. With your wife, your wife Dinner. You just hold up a five, six. Worked yeah. hard. Worked hard. Quality <laughs> wasn't there. Five. Does, does it translate as well to the kind of homeschooling with Jessica? You know, two. Uh, I'm great. Uh, we're, we're fine. Homeschooling for a, for an under three year old just involves kind of playing. So. She uh she she gives it her all in every game. I can't question her attitude. Seven. I don't think it's I don't think it's too early, mate, to to start kind of giving her the harsh realities of life and maybe telling her she's got to buck her ideas up. Ten. Obviously, my score would be one because Cook needs to go. You know, um, before we before we get these these uh, poisonous media accusations. That was I shall stress again. What a joke between the three of us, Roscoe. Um, <laughs> a private joke, which has now, which has now which, been made public. Excellent. Yeah, I'm not sure it's funny anymore. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's My move bad. on, boys. Let, let's bail out of this particular clusterfuck that Ross has put us in. Um, Flynn Downs, more bad news. <laughs> Oh man! Before the game on Tuesday, we knew obviously he'd limped off on Saturday um, with a with a hamstring injury. There were several grades of hamstring injury, uh, and Flynn's got the middle one, grade two, which means he's going to miss four to six weeks. Hutcho, how big of a of a blow is that? Because he was just starting to show what the old Flynn Downs is capable of, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, big big blow both both for Flynn for the team and Paul Cook. He's exactly what Paul Cook wants from a central midfielder. There's no, there's no light for light replacement. So it's a, it's a big blow in a season where his season has just never got going after obviously a difficult summer where he, he was very keen to join Crystal Palace, tried to force that move through. And I think Stu and I were talking in the car on our long drive home from, from Fleetwood on, on Wednesday morning that this is, this is why League One players try to try to push push moves through because that's not going to be there. I don't think that's going to be there for Flynn this this summer. He, he's had his he's had his moment where could have gone to the Premier League at, at least probably quadrupled his salary, um, set him for life financially, um, and then ultimately his following season he's had two injuries. His season's never got going, so um, I think that probably for me justifies justifies where Flynn was at. But for the for the team it's clearly clearly a massive blow because a month would take you to the middle of April, five games left, six weeks, you might get the final two league games before any potential post season uh dance. So uh big, 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 big blow um at the just the wrong time for mm. Ipswich. Mm. All right and boys, I feel like we need cheering up. Um, it's been a it's been a depressing listen so far and, and chat, given what's going on. And there's only one way that we here at the, the Kings of Anglia podcast know to cheer you up, and that relies on our bearded friend Ross bringing you a frankly shambolic edition of the strike. Hello and welcome to another edition of 
the strike. Brought to you by the greatest quiz show host on planet Earth. Producer Ross. I feel like I don't want to say anything else because I feel like I'll get us in trouble. <laughs> but um, it's um, a St. Patrick's Day special because um, oh, yesterday oh, was yesterday. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, still links for this yeah, week. Um, works, this yeah. is- Links around Isra's Town players who played for Ireland and Northern Ireland. Because I think Northern Ireland they celebrate it as well, don't they? Because it's a whole Irish thing, Ooh. I think. I don't, honestly, um, <laughs> I'm out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I, did, I, I, did, I, I did Google it and it did say Northern Ireland do celebrate as well. So there we go. We're okay. I'm taking it. I, I mean, we, we celebrate it, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. So quite, quite frankly, uh, I've, I've grown out of St. Patrick's Day. If I'm completely honest, you've grown out of it. Yeah, used to love it. Did you? As a, as a late teen, early, early twenties. I wouldn't have you down as a, a Guinness drinker, Hutcho. Why not? Oh, because you're not a famously. You're not really much of a drinker, and Guinness is about as hardcore of a drink as you can. You when can I when out. I used to when I used to when I did used to drink, um, I used to like a, a pint. Of the black stuff, <laughs> just 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 one, um, but yeah, I I think it was quite nice. Anyway, very good for you, of course, Guinness, as they used to tell you in the war. Um, gets all your nutrients in. Anyway, Ross, we've digressed big time now. On yes. you go. Okay then. Alan Lee is from which part of Ireland? Galway, Cork, or Dublin? Oh, uh, I think he's from um, Cork. I think he's from Galway. Patchy's right once again. What a surprise. Why do we bother with this? <laughs> Can we just do one strike one week just about boxing? Yeah, yeah, sure. MMA we'll, we'll, I mean, that still works. It's a strike, striking, hitting someone. If anything, it probably works better, doesn't it? That's exactly. more, more appropriate. Yeah. Anyway, 1-0 yeah. Hutchie on the way to his inevitable victory. Carry on, Ross. <laughs> of course, um, Alan Hunter is the most capped international player for town. But how many caps did he win for Northern Ireland in 10 years for playing for them? So closest number to the correct cap. One. Uh, big Al, I reckon he won 100. 10 caps. I think he won 63 caps. 53. Oh. He played he played 10 years and only got 53 yeah. caps. One of the, they don't play many international games really. I suppose not. It's like maybe 6 or maybe 8 8 a year maybe. And All then... right, I've mugged myself <laughs> off. You don't need to point, you don't need to point it out. <laughs> okay. Alex Bruce Crossed the divide by playing for both Northern Ireland and Ireland. But for which country did he win his first cap for? So was it Ireland or Northern Ireland? Which one did he play for first? Northern Ireland. Yeah, was it Northern Ireland? It was actually Ireland. Oh. So you're both wrong. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Daryl Murphy won 32 cats for Ireland. How many goals did he score? Closest number gets the point. 32 caps for Ireland. I reckon he scored uh, six goals. 
three goals. Bang on. It's three. Oh, this is... <laughs> Unbelievable, Hutchie. Unbelievable. It's not many goals, though, is it? 32 cats, three goals. Not really I prolific it... for a striker. Oh, I, I think they probably came in his last three or four caps, I'd imagine. Because he... Yeah. he uh... He uh, he went a lot. I think he went at least twenty without a, without a goal. Yeah, not good. Um, good old Matty Holland won forty nine caps for Ireland, but how does he qualify? Is it for his grandmother or grandfather? It's his grand. <laughs> well, Hutchie will obviously know this, but I, I knew it was his grandparents, so I'm going to say grandmother. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I was going to say grandmother as well, but I'll go. I'll go grandfather to up the up the jeopardy. Grandmother. Yes. Well done. I'm still in this. What is it? Two one. Uh well no, three one bollocks, it's not, is it? <laughs> this is this is the tiebreaker. Um winner so... takes all. Winner takes all. Come on. Win- winner takes yeah. All. Yeah. yeah, you can have yeah, let's let's do it. Okay. Danny Sonner won cats for Northern Ireland, but how many caps did he make in seven years for them? Good old Danny Sonner. He's a model now and an actor. When did someone qualify Roscoe as an aside for the good old moniker in your in your cat, your book of catchphrases? Do you have to have spoken to them? Do you have to no, have I met them? Just, I think it just it just gets chucked out when I feel like it. When you when you're feeling, <laughs> yeah. When it when it feels right, when I feel like it goes with this sentence, yeah, it just, it just happens. Good old Danny Sonner. How many caps did he win? Who was it for Northern Ireland in seven years? Um, Good old Danny Son, I reckon, won 10 caps. 14 caps. 13. Oh! oh. So there we go. I suppose justice is done. I couldn't snatch it away on, the, on a winner-takes-all. Hutchie wins again. The procession continues. A relentless winning machine that is Andy Warren takes another strike title and is now... Do the Pentagon, Hutchie. We haven't seen a Pentagon for a while. There we go. Uh, beefcake. For those of you who've got no idea what we're talking about, that's that's Hutchie's wrestling pose from, from days of old. <sighs> <laughs> and there is another edition of the strike, another edition of, of, of Hutchie winning the strike. Roscoe, take it, take the outro away. Yeah, over to another Irishman. Barry, Bazza, Barry Cotter. Take it away, my friend. Hi guys, Barry Cotter here. That was another edition of The Strike with producer Ross. Tune in next week for another edition of The Great Quiz Show. There we go, good old Barry. He gets he to get def- old as well. He definitely qualifies as both your friend and good old Barry. Um, yeah. Right then, boys, all that's left for us to talk about this week then is Portsmouth on Saturday. Another long trip. Hutchie, just what you need um, to Portsmouth on Saturday for a 1pm kickoff now. It's been brought forward. So an earlier departure for you, Hutcho. What time will you be leaving Saturday? Have you talked about that yet? Uh, I reckon we'll be leaving about eight. This actually qualifies as a shorter one. Does it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> In the grand scheme, I think it's only three hours or so. Only yeah. three hours. Yeah. It's, um, it's on the shorter side. Of things as, sadly, as we talked about earlier, it looks like Danny Cowley is going to be in the opposing dugout. Portsmouth obviously got rid of, of Kenny Jacket there. 
I guess, like town, a big fish in, in League One that are that's struggling to swim. Um, what what do you make of this this trip to Portsmouth, Hutcho? Especially if, if Cowley is is managing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. There's every chance that will have been confirmed by the time you're listening to this. Um, good appointment from them, especially they've managed to convince him to take the job until the end of the season, which um, seems to be the way at the moment. Uh, they're in a bit of a, a bit of a rut in terms of terms of their performances, and I I wonder whether the Cowley brothers will have enough time to have any kind of influence on this on this game heading into it. So it, it's going to be a case of beware the new manager bounce, which is kind of a supernatural force, isn't it? Um, whether that whether that has an impact, what they will ask from their players is, is for energy and um, and drive. You'd hope the new play, the players would be looking to give give him that so you know it's going to be it's going to be a tough game for it switched Cow- the Cowleys and Paul Cook became kind of intrinsically linked earlier this season in terms of the jobs they were supposedly up for I think they got to know each other quite well as a result of that they were on like Sky Sports News and did podcasts together and, and things like that so um, I think interestingly the Cowleys will know a lot about Ipswich um, about all of the Ipswich players they'll have watched because I, I know they they were they were very keen on on the vacancy here at Ipswich, um, which was always going to go to Cook, I think. But but um, they were very keen on it. They they've done their research. They'll know all of these players. So if they've got time to, to kind of get that across to to their new players, then um, that's going to benefit them. But I th- I think it's going to be. I'm like, I'm expecting quite an even game between between these two. Um, and I'd hope, I'd hope that you'd see some kind of reaction from Ipswich from from Tuesday night. So I don't think it's it's clearly added an extra layer to it, hasn't it? The Cowleys going in, but I, I I don't necessarily think it's any reason to be any more daunted by a trip to Portsmouth than it was than it was before. They're an out of they're a team that's out of form. That's why they've changed their manager, and I'm not entirely convinced that while I think it's a good appointment that they're going to have time to get it going. So. Mm. If it should be going there thinking they can win this game, absolutely. Mm. I won't. I won't ask Ross this because, we, as we learned last time, he, d- he thinks it's a waste of time speculating what the manager might do, um, as if that's our job. Um, Hutchie, what would you do with the with the team if anything? You, they need to get Norwood back, don't they? Yeah, and I, we don't. We don't. We haven't spoken to Paul Cook ahead of this game yet, but I, th- I think he's going to be good to go after after back back spasms um they did look into whether they could get him up to Fleetwood on Tuesday night following his court mm. appearance in the morning but that wasn't feasible so it didn't happen so I think there's every chance that well if he's fit he plays I think that's that's um that's nailed on um I think the back five will probably stay the same I don't know maybe maybe Stephen Ward might might get a first start under Cook um see what he can do in this one instead of instead of Kenlock and I think they'll I think he might freshen things up on the wings. Gwion Edwards to me, they said they said it was a precaution ultimately that they took him off, but looking at the way he walked off that pitch, like down, right down in front of us, it, it did remind me of um when Freddie Sears got injured at Norwich when when was that? Twenty nineteen. We thought he'd limped off with a bang to the knee and it turned out he'd done a knee ligament. So hopefully Hopefully it's not as bad as that for, for Guion, but I'd be surprised if he starts. So there's going to be some freshening up on 
on the wings. I think he could change both wingers, maybe Bennett's and Lancaster. I don't know. Mm. Um, mm. But I think there's every chance he changes both wingers and and Norwood in attack. I think you could change that front three. I, I hope that Parrott gets another go in, in that number 10 role, especially mm. if Norwood's back. Roscoe, what are you doing with your boy Miles? He's obviously just had a torrid time. He's been playing well since he's come back into the team. Are you are you keeping faith with him for this game? Would you would you give him another game or bring Ward in? No, I would. I would keep him in actually. Um I think I think Stephen Ward's done. I think he's done, to be honest. Um uh, I thought he did okay when he came on against Fleetwood. He didn't do amazing, but he at least had a shot. <laughs> yeah, that was the only one of the one of the shots we had. But I'll I'll keep faith in Miles. I know I'm his biggest critic, and you know I don't think he's very good, but uh, I think he's done well. I think he's done done well. I think keep faith in him. I think if you drop him now, he's going to lose all that confidence that he did have. I know he got took off in the Fleetwood game, but I think don't nah keep him in. I think. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I think it's unfair to drop a player after after one bad game, especially someone who's done so well since they've come in after a period out of the side. I think stick with him, see how he does, and we'll yeah, see. Any, any, any Pompey players that worry you, Hutchie? They've got the, the big lad Marquise, haven't they? Scoring a lot of goals and the boy uh, Parnas. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a few of them that, that caused it to its trouble before. Um, Curtis is a player but, that I've really liked in the past, but just by all accounts, he just hasn't got going. This season, um, he, he played up up front for them um, on Tuesday. I think they they lost to Peterborough. Uh, yeah, Harness Harness as well. Williams. Um, they've got some good players. Sean Raggett at the back, who by all accounts is looking a little bit leggy, a little bit tired, but he's always he's always defended really well against Ipswich. Obviously, obviously. Uh, the Cowleys will like him as well. They've had him before at um, at Lincoln. So they've got some good players. Andy Cannon as well. Um, Tom Tom Naylor, I like central midfielder. Um, so yeah, they've got they've got some good players. It's just whether Cow- the Cowleys are able to to sort of get them get them going or not. Can I extrapolate a prediction from you, Hutchie? One one. <laughs> of course, it's one one. Yeah, uh, Roscoe, what do you reckon? Uh, it's going to go two ways. It's going to be a goalless draw because neither side can create anything, or it's going to be it's going to be another draw. It'll be Desmond, but I don't actually see us scoring two goals. I think if Portsmouth score early on, then it'll be one nil. Okay, there we go. Uh, I have to say I'm not feeling too good about this game. Uh, I think a draw would be a decent result. To be fair, I know Pompey have been struggling, but with a new manager and the way Town played on Tuesday, uh, a draw would be decent. Let's just hope there is some sort of reaction because that's what we need to see from this team. Um, boys, any other business? We've been on for just over an hour now, so it's usually time to take our leave. Anything else you want to mention, discuss? Roscoe, have you got another Ross meets coming up this weekend? You want to talk about that quickly? Yeah, we um, of course mentioned it last week. Jamie Peters is episode two. That's out this Sunday. Uh, talking about work permits and all that. To look the forward to that. The work permit special. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, these are good. the these are the angles that no one else gives you. Work permits. That's what Ross brings you. And, and obviously, you've got a game day extra time as well, haven't you? Um, which will be out uh, some point tomorrow. Have you got? Do you know who's on that as yet? Do you want to shout anyone out who's on that? Ooh, good old David. Uh, Segs, Matt, oh, Brad, and George. There you go. That's the lineup for Game of Extra Time. So listen to that. That will be dropping after us if uh, if it's Friday and you listen to it on Friday. Um, boys, anything else to mention, Hutchie? 
No other business. No other business. All that leaves me then to say is follow us across all our social medias, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, Kings of Anglia. Uh, leave us a five-star review uh, on iTunes because it helps us with the visibility in the charts, means more people can see what we do, and hopefully more people will join the Kawe Army as a result. I got compared to Graham Norton on review this week, boys, which I, I think is quite good. I'll take that. One of BBC One's biggest stars, Snappy Dresser. Says me all over, I reckon. Um, just, to, just to also, I know today's been a bit of a, a depressing listen, but just a just a reminder, if you need a depressing further, that forty years ago today, Ipswich Town beat Saint Etienne, featuring football legend Michel Platini at Portman Road to reach the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup for the first time. Uh, also, that game, I think I'm right in saying, meant they'd gone twenty games unbeaten. It was either twenty wins in a row or twenty games unbeaten that side pretty decent and now 40 years later we're talking about them sadly losing 2-0 at Fleetwood how times have changed and how good would it have been boys back then to be doing a, a podcast town one of the best sides in Europe about to win the UEFA Cup potentially the best season in Ipswich Town history and here we are 40 years ago anyone got a time machine <laughs> we'd have been the first we'd, we'd have been a like, revolutionary wouldn't we doing, we a, pod- been, mate, doing a podcast in 1981 can you imagine the looks would have got would have been incredible um, what would have that- done like posted it out on cassette <laughs> yeah like a mixtape <laughs> just handing it out on street maybe, corners maybe put it out on vinyl yeah like, like the, old, the early days of hip-hop like mixtapes just out, <laughs> out someone's boot of the car somewhere um and on that note of on podcasts on monday it is koa we're saying it's koa 200 the 200th show going all the way back since 2017 when, when kings of anglia started with the the current lineup or at least two of the current lineup um, and so we're going to we'll make a big song and dance about that on Monday. But as part of that, it'd be really nice to know for you guys listening to KOA Army, how long you've been listening for and any kind of favourite memories of the of the show you've got. Um, we'll read some out as part of that 200th celebration on Monday, hopefully off the back of a fine win at Portsmouth on Saturday. So there you go. That's been the show today. Sorry, it's been a bit of a depressing listen. Um, we've tried to cheer you up with, with the strike uh, as usual. Uh, have a great rest of the week. Have a great weekend. Hopefully town get the result. Uh, And we'll speak to you again at KOA 200 on Monday. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Sentinel. More great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.